Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's national women's current affairs program produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Arit Noor. Got up exactly in the AMs. Probably the hunger had struck me. The push to stay alive. On today's Women on the Line, I'm excited to play you an interview with activist, author, academic and prison abolitionist Professor Angela Davis during her visit to the Moroccan delicacy on Ligon Street for a panel discussion organised by the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance and RISE Refugees, Survivors and Ex-Detainees. Angela was here for Sisters Inside's Is Prison Obsolete Conference in Brisbane, as well as the University of Melbourne's Justice Through Conflict, Conflict Through Justice Symposium. Later on in the show, we also hear an excerpt from Angela Davis' speech at Sisters Inside's Is Prison Obsolete Conference in 2014. In Australia, First Nations peoples are incarcerated at staggering rates, making up almost 30% of the prison population although they only make up 3% of the total population. These stats mean they're the most incarcerated community in the world. Sisters Inside works mostly with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women who have been in the prison system by advocating for their human rights and addressing gaps in the services available to them. Professor Angela Davis has been a prison activist and abolitionist for many years and has attended the Sisters Inside conference since its inception. And now we begin with her reflections about the conference, her public lecture at the University of Melbourne, and of course her panel at the Moroccan Delicacy. I've been coming to Australia for the last um, almost two decades. This is my 11th trip to Australia, my eighth Sisters Inside conference. Um, And each conference is inspiring, it's moving, but I think this one was... um, the best of, of, of the eight, because we had this combination of uh, you know, very moving, sometimes painful stories that uh, the women who had been inside shared, uh, including one woman whom I met when she was in prison over 20 years ago, and this was the first time she was able to speak publicly uh, at uh, one of the events. Fred is her name. Um, And so those sharing of stories was combined with this call to action, uh, uh, this um, a kind of um, consensus around abolition that we can't reform prisons. Prisons have failed, especially for women, and therefore we have to develop our abolitionist strategies. Uh, and, and so it was, it was, it was quite exciting. Uh, and then, of course, coming from Brisbane to Melbourne, and I haven't been to Melbourne in in ten years. 
the event last night was uh, extremely inspiring for me uh, to know that there is such a base among young people in the city, uh, young uh, people of color, black people, refugees, aboriginal people. There's such a, um, a foundation for radical activism and I'm going to take that back to me when I return to the U.S. So how do you navigate and I guess uh, reconcile your politics and working in academia and within institutions like universities? Well, I think I have approached um, academia in a different way. Uh, you know, first of all, I, um, I was fired before I was able to take on my first job. So my presence has always been a struggle, including when I was a graduate student. And I think that, that if knowledge is significant, it has to make a difference in the social world. So even though people often don't acknowledge the relationship between um, academia and activism, it has to be there uh, for uh, knowledge to mean anything at all. And, and so just as one has to struggle anywhere, um, one struggles in academia as well. Sometimes people assume that it's an especially difficult struggle, and oftentimes it is because the politics of academia are a petty politics, but people often hold on to them as if uh, their lives were at stake. Uh, I also recognize that, that knowledge is not only produced in these universities and other professionalized institutions, that knowledge gets produced in the community, it gets, it gets produced on the job, uh, within organizing, within struggle. So that for me, there's an organic connection between scholarship and activism. Uh, and you know, hopefully we can, uh, we can strive to, to make those two realms more compatible with each other. Women's on the line. <laughs> Women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs>
Black Lives Matter, the, the movement and the various organizations that are associated with it are very um, open to that kind of uh, influence. Uh, as I was saying uh, when I spoke last night, the uh, solidarity with Palestine, uh, which has been so important to the development of Black Lives Matter, is an indication of the extent to which uh, that uh, youth movement situates itself within the context of developments throughout the world. And of course, uh, global capitalism affects us regardless of where we are. So that whether we want it or not, we are connected. And it's up to us, I think, to nourish that connection, to develop it, and to try to transform it into a revolutionary force. I want to know how you practice self-care. I want to know. <laughs> your mechanisms of self-care. I know yoga was brought up last night and meditation, but is there anything else that you can do that helps you get through it all? Well, you know, it's, it has taken me a long time to learn that, um, that I have to be healthy in order to be effective. And that we all have to be healthy uh, physically, mentally, spiritually. And, and that we have to seek ways of cultivating uh, that, that health. Uh, I was pointing out to someone, I can't remember whom, that I really appreciate Sisters Inside because Sisters Inside, uh, perhaps precisely because the organization works with so many women who are have been subject to repression and who have been traumatized uh, by, by violence, whether we're talking about intimate violence or, or state violence, um, uh, they understand the importance of, of self-care. And so built into the conference itself are ways of taking care of ourselves. And it was wonderful after having had a very intense session to be able to do a very long hike uh, up to the top of the hill in Brown Lake and, 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 and enjoy nature and to experience ourselves as a part of that. Uh, uh, during the conference, uh, we worked out every single morning. And it's, you know, it's one thing to work out and you know, do all of the exercises that we do, but it's another thing to do it with people with whom uh, we, we struggle together. And it, it consolidates the community. It creates a deeper sense of, 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 of connection. So I, you know, I see self-care as permeating all of the things that we do, uh, the way we eat, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the way we, um, the way we live, it's, uh, it's about living together in harmony with nature. So it means also we have to be attentive to the plight of animals and we, we have to not, and this I, I've, I've learned this from Aboriginal people. Uh, I mean, for example, we were uh, on Stradbroke Island and, and, and Debbie's husband, who's, who's uh, Aboriginal, um, hurt the birds and he went out because he knew something was going on and the birds were attacking a snake 
And the snake is a to that snake, the carpet snake, is a totem of, of the people who, um, of the traditional owners in Stradbroke. And so, so what he did was to try to rescue the snake. Uh, and, you know, for a lot of people who don't like snakes. <laughs> but that, you know, that kind of um, awareness of oneself in connection with the rest of the world, with, with animals and with plants and with the sky and with the future and with the past is, uh, is how we take care of ourselves as sisters and comrades in struggle. That was Professor Angela Davis ending on the value of self-care. Now we hear an excerpt from her speech at the 2014 Is Prison Obsolete conference hosted by Sisters Inside. She begins by describing the important work being done by Sisters Inside. Sisters Inside is a beacon of light for people all around the world who are attempting to be consistent in the way we challenge the ravages of the prison industrial complex and those who insist that by understanding and addressing the conditions of women in prison we not only learn how to work with uh, and, 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 and help but in an egalitarian uh, way, uh, these women and their families, but we better understand and better position ourselves to stand up to the growing use of imprisonment and, of course, its increased profitability all over the world. And so, as, as has been pointed out by both of the speakers before me here at this seventh International Conference of Sisters Inside, we're facing a range of issues uh, that revolve around the rising numbers of Aboriginal women in prison. And of course, it's not as if this is new information. We've always known that Indigenous women are especially targeted by the criminal justice system. But now, of course, we have the official statistics. Uh, and we know that in the last 10 years, the rate of imprisonment of women, women in general, in Australia has doubled. But this is almost entirely due to the increased imprisonment of Aboriginal women, who constitute 2% of the female population at large, but 30 percent of the imprisoned population. And of course this is not accidental. It cannot simply be attributed to the racism of individuals uh, uh, who um, police officers, for example, who arrest indigenous women, although that is also a factor. It's interesting, I discovered that um, here in Australia, Indigenous women tend to have shorter sentences than white women. Now one might say, oh, so it's not so bad. But what this indicates is that Aboriginal women are arrested for all kinds of petty offenses which the police systematically ignore for white women. And of course, it means that Aboriginal women are repeatedly arrested and rearrested and rearrested and rearrested. Now, 
we know that, um, that Aboriginal people have always been targeted by the criminal justice system here, and that this violent expression of racism is historically rooted in the genocidal <coughs> colonization process. Of course, we can say the same thing about the US and Canada. The targeting of indigenous people is similarly rooted in the settler colonial project. And also the vastly disproportionate numbers of black people in prison in the US uh, and the disparities with respect to black women that are similar to the disparities with respect to Aboriginal women in, here in Australia, this, these disparities are historically rooted in slavery and in the capitalist heteropatriarchal project that produced and reproduced slavery and racism in the aftermath of slavery. But of course, now we are well into the 21st century. And we haven't yet really figured out how these histories continue to plague us in ways that are rarely exposed and expressed and acknowledged by political leaders, and especially not by um, Tony Abbott. Um, you know, I keep wanting to say not by John Howard. <laughs> because it's so reminiscent of, of that era. And political leaders from Obama to Abbott to Merkel to Zuma have refused to acknowledge the extent to which the contemporary state of economic, social, political affairs keep the old oppressive histories alive including frameworks that allow for the targeting of women all over the world, and especially of racially marginalized women. And so why has it become increasingly profitable to use the institution of the prison to address problems that have been created by the development of global capitalism? On Community Radio Around Australia, you're listening to a speech by Professor Angela Davis at the 2014 Sisters Inside Is Prison Obsolete Conference on Women on the Line. Don't forget you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. I just want to mention one of the most well-known political prisoners in U.S. history, Asata Shakur, whose autobiography describes in moving detail her experiences as a woman in prison. She now lives in Cuba. Uh, she escaped prison. This rarely happens in the U.S. that anybody actually escaped. But she managed to escape, and she's been living in Cuba since the late 1980s. Uh, just last year, she was designated one of the 10 most dangerous terrorists terrorist in the world. Okay, this is like a, you know, 67-year-old woman who has been living in Cuba, teaching and working and writing and doing art and so forth. I mention this because it's a, it's a kind of retroactive criminalization 
of the 20th century black liberation movement. Uh, I was one of the people who was called a terrorist by Richard Nixon when I was on the run. And this effort to redefine the movement, the black movement of the late 20th century as a terrorist movement by targeting one of the most important women leaders is an attempt to deter people from engaging in radical political struggles today. Now, Sisters Inside, along with its sister organizations in other parts of the world, has always insisted on making the connections between assaults on women in prison and larger projects, larger projects of abolishing imprisonment. And this project requires us to understand how we figure into transnational solidarity efforts. So, now, the point that I want to make as I move towards a conclusion of my talk is that the mega corporations have grasped the ways in which what we often consider to be disparate issues are actually often deeply connected. And I just want to say a couple of words about G4S, which is the third largest private corporation in the world, third only to Walmart and uh, Foxcom. And it plays an important role in the Israeli occupation of Palestine. It has been involved in the deaths of undocumented immigrants. G4S operates prisons in this country. It operates Port Phillip Prison and Mount Gambler Prison. And it operates centers for abused women. Can you believe this? You know, this is like the, 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 the largest security corporation in the world that owns and operates prisons that handles military uh, equipment and arms uh, armies all over the world. And it also works with so-called abused women. And it has schools in the US. It has schools for girls at risk. It seems to me that if corporations like G4S understand those connections, then we need to definitely incorporate an awareness of these connections in our work. And so when we say stop targeting Aboriginal women, and thank you so much for announcing the campaign uh, today, uh, Debbie. We try to understand the connection between the state violence to which indigenous women are subjected, imprisonment, removing children, uh, etc., and intimate violence or domestic violence. You know, we often act when we hear about the case of a young black man being killed, and I mentioned the, the case that people are aware of all over the world now, the Michael Brown case in uh, Ferguson, Missouri. But women are the most consistent targets of violence in the world. And indigenous women, women of color, women from the global south are disproportionately represented among those women. So I want us to reflect on Native women in North America, First Nations people in North America, black, Latino, and Asian American women, indigenous and Afro-descended women in Brazil, in Colombia, and all over South America. And let us also think about Middle Eastern and African women in European countries, and Mozambican women in South Africa, and Palestinian women in the occupied 
territories because these are our sisters and their brothers are our brothers. And this is the canvas on which we draw our commitment to stop the targeting of Aboriginal women. When we say stop the targeting of Aboriginal women, we are saying abolish prisons, dismantle the prison industrial complex, and let us all identify with the imperative to build a new world where justice and equality prevail. Thank you. That was an excerpt from a speech given by Professor Angela Davis at the Sisters Inside 2014 Is Prison Obsolete Conference. And earlier, we had an interview with Angela Davis herself from her visit to Melbourne. If you want to check out any of the work Sisters Inside are doing, jump on their website and you can purchase copies of Angela Davis's various books online too. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Confess program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email at womenonthelineatgmail.com. Women Online programs can be downloaded from our website 3cr.org.au slash womenonthelineatgmail.com. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Le Tigre. And the feature song for today's episode of Women on the Line is Blue Boss by the wonderful Sydney-based Sumper the Great. Thank you for listening to Women on the Line. I'm original and I hope you can tune in again next time.